0: The problem was, I had been in China for so long that I was thinking in RMB, not in dollars. But I started to realize that was my mistake. And when I started to think in dollars is when I started to be successful. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini.
1: Okay, everybody, Global From Asia 162 and I thought we finished all the holidays in Chinese New Year, but I just found out this past weekend Saturday was a holiday. What was it, Claire?
2: Um it's Chinese lantern festival.
1: Alright. Lantern Festival. What is what is that for?
2: Um I'm actually not sure. <laughs> oh man.
1: okay, so I don't feel so bad. Lanterns making lanterns and setting setting them off into the sky, isn't that Thailand? Anyway.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in China it's a little bit like that, but not exactly that. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, now that holiday's over too, so I think this week finally is everybody is back from Chinese New Year. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Mostly yeah. no more, no more holidays. So I, I know there's always people frustrated with. You know, ordering from factories and China business, but we should be fully, fully back now, and uh, things are heating up for cross border summit. We pushed it out on our official account, Global from Asia. If you guys want to follow our official account, and we we'll get some great feedback, and they're chatting over to Claire. What what's people been saying?
2: Um, people are. We received like really great uh, feedbacks, and, and they were wondering like, what's the requirement for joining the show? Mike, can you tell me a little bit? About that.
1: Oh, okay. So we're getting live feedback here. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an exclusive event. So we don't just want anybody to just go. So it is an application. And uh, people were curious, what does that? What does that mean? Um, well, we're looking for people that are running businesses already doing cross-border import, export, e-commerce type businesses. So uh, yeah, I mean, we're not looking for students, you know, learning English or, uh, or other, you know, other things we're looking for business owners doing real stuff cross border. And another thing that's happening right now, which is pretty, pretty fun, is I've worked pretty hard over the last day on the Asia Podcast Network, which is a network of podcasters and friends of mine here in China and around Asia at Asia Podcast Network. We got the two white chicks in China, and we got some made in China podcasts and a bunch of great stuff. So you guys want to check that out and see and maybe support the other podcasts in that network? It would be great. So, if anybody's interested in getting involved with any of these couple of things we've been talking about, uh, you know, Claire is here helping out, and you can add maybe WeChat is best Global from Asia to chat to her or shoot her and me also an email at blog at com, And let's get this new New Year's going. And now for this week's show, we have Sean Weisbrot. He is the need-to-know connector here in Shenzhen and throughout China, hosting events in the past, moderating amazing expat WeChat groups. And he is here on the show we did during Chinese New Year, so it was nice and quiet for us. We were in a, a garden complex right outside of Coco Park. And he's talked about why the last eight years of his time in China has been a waste and how finally at the last six months, he's finally getting it right. So he gives us some interesting insights, and I even learned a couple of things and got some tips. So let's tune in. And as always, show notes are at
2: www.globalfromasia.com slash episode 162.
1: Okay, great. And let's listen to Sean. <laughs> so welcome, everybody, to a Global From Asia podcast. We are here in Cocoa Park, park, I guess you call it, right? So Sean Weisbrot. Mm. Got is here, and uh, it's been a friend for many years, and it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, Sean. Yeah. Unfortunately, we only see each other once every year, so... Uh, That's what I try to tell people. Well, one, i have been kind of cooped up in my, my house with my, my family and everything, but also, Shenzhen's so big, right? Like, there's Sheko, Futian, like, uh, all these different lohu, and then all these other districts popping up everywhere, and it's like our hour or more sometimes between places or
0: yeah i left at 110 and i got to you about 150
1: crazy well thanks for thanks for traveling over here and
0: uh no big deal the food's good too yeah we
1: had some nice vietnamese mm. and uh, it's been really cool and we were chatting over it's chinese still chinese new year now as we're recording so it's still quiet a little bit well it's not as quiet it used to be in shenzhen we're talking it's, it's about half capacity now of the people something like that and uh, so you've been in China eight, eight years now, right? Almost nine. Almost nine. July, July will be nine. And we were chatting about that on WeChat. Mm. And you were saying, uh, which is kind of sparked this whole interview, because we've been trying to get you on the show and trying to find some cool things to talk about. That, but
0: that's been about a year
1: process as well. Yeah, I know, I know. And uh, when we first, I, I've, I've gotten to know you from a lot of different ventures. You're a great business connector and business person here. Try to be and uh, doing great things for the community. Maybe first you can introduce yourself and what you're, what you're working on? Uh, what I'm working on right now? Yeah, what? I mean, or however, however you like to be. I'm working on getting out of China. <laughs> oh, interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, actually right now, so about a year ago, I started working on helping Western startups in China to get connected with Chinese investors, mostly because there's a huge need and a huge gap that hasn't been filled. A lot of the people I found basically don't understand Chinese culture. They come here because they want to interact with Bay. They want to get factories or they want Chinese distribution or there's some kind of go-to-market strategy, but there's a lack of understanding of the cultural aspect of how to make it happen or there's a lack of funds. And so uh, because I'm fluent in Mandarin and my job is to connect, it's easy for me to find potential investors that could be good matches for these people. And so I've been doing that
1: for the last year. Cool, cool. And today's topic was, yeah, like, you were me how long I've been here. I've almost, almost 10 years. You're, you're going on nine, so pretty close. And you were saying in our discussion, like, uh, the last eight or so years were, I'll let you say, but maybe not as effective as what the last few months have been. So,
0: yeah, essentially, I feel like my entire 20s in China were wasted. Oh, <laughs> Um, it's it's a good thing and a bad thing. No, granted, the first five years I was an English teacher, um, so that was my own doing, but I think a lot of people come here and don't have an idea of what to expect or what they can do, and so they become an English teacher because it's the best way to get here. Unfortunately, a lot of people get stuck in English, and I, I knew at about four years in that my Mandarin was really good. I was living in Wuhan, which is a, in Hubei, province, central China, and I knew that there was no future for me there, but I liked China. I wanted to stay. Very so cool. I came down to Shenzhen, and I got a job as an HR manager for, of course, an English school, and I did that for a year. And then I got fired because I had a concussion. My boss was uh, not very symp- sympathetic to mm. my plight. Interesting. this legal? <laughs> uh, he, ge- he allowed me to, to keep the work visa, so whatever. And, you know, Mm. it is what it is. Okay. Uh, but then I ended up going into nonprofit because after I hit my head, you know, I kind of just, things changed, uh, in my mind, what was important to me at the time. And I wanted to be in society in China. I knew that I could speak Chinese, but I, I never felt like I did anything of value. So I wanted to do that. And I ended up Uh, working with a guy, Glenn Cornell, who's now in the States. Uh, We started this thing called the ID exchange. We did that for, well, him and I did it for one month. And then he was like, well, you know, look, I don't really have much time. I can't continue, but uh, it's yours. Keep it if you want. So I started a company and worked with my ex-girlfriend. Well, we were together at the time uh, for two years to build it into a community that was well-known across the country, actually. We had people on our public WeChat talking to us literally from every province. We even had one person from uh, Tibet who was subscribing to our account. It was really, really cool to see that we were a, a countrywide thing. Very cool. Um, and then eventually I kind of ran out of money and decided to stop and ended up getting a job with uh, a company called Expats Express. And that was a Chinese company in Nanjing. I was still based in Shenzhen, but I was essentially promised equity in the company um, for my executive position. I took a salary that was a third of what I should have been getting mm. because they were new And I ended up getting screwed, didn't get any equity, walked away, but had all the money and more than what I had heard than I had before. Uh, I got fired a few years prior. Basically, for those few years, I didn't have a full-time job doing the idea exchange. I was uh, living off of my savings, essentially, for several years. And uh, I went broke, stopped, got the job, resaved all that money back, and then... Uh, you know, when I left the job, I started to do the stuff with uh, the Western startups about a year ago. Yeah, very cool. So very
1: long, tumultuous. Yeah, I mean, there's lots crazy. of juice. Lots of juice in there. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I met you from Idea Exchange. I remember yeah. you. Were, you were doing great, great work, and uh, I still 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 doing well to this day, as far as I know. I mean, I know you're not involved, but I mean, you created that, and and you really should be proud of it. I don't. You know, I don't really think it's uh you can look back and think the last few years here were a waste. I mean, I think even that project alone with all your others, you build your connections. Like I've done Startup Weekend, which, you know, some people might've said also is, was a nonprofit and kind of a, some people could say it was a waste of time or others for me. But, you know, I think a lot of this is about building the connections. So, you know, you're definitely a connector. I think I'm a connect, try to be a connector too, as well as a dad dad now. But, uh, I, you know, I think I'll, done tell great you great things here. I'll tell you why I think it was a waste of
0: time. When I was doing all of those things, I had the mindset of helping people, but I forgot to help myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a business mindset. So I didn't know how to use the network I was building to make money. And it took me until a few months ago or up to the last year to realize how to really use my connections to make big money when i was doing the idea exchange i would get opportunities to give speeches and make 2000 rmb for a speech 2000 rmb is like 300 dollars. it's not that big of a deal it's really small money if you think about it a lot of people that are living here locally might go wow well 2000 mm. rmb like it's really nice you should be lucky but like this would come along once a month once every two months it's small money The problem was I had been in China for so long that I was thinking in RMB, not in dollars. Yeah, this is a
1: mistake a lot of us make.
0: And it wasn't until a few months ago that I started to realize that was my mistake. And when I started to think in dollars is when I started to be successful. I said, I'm in China, I'm fluent in Mandarin, and yet I'm not successful. But surely there are people that are successful. One of the problems that I had was through all the years that I've been here, most of the people that I were friends with were also foreigners that were not successful. And so I had this mindset that foreigners in China cannot be successful. Mm. And then when I started to think in dollars and I started to talk with new kinds of expats, I started to go, wait a minute, there are foreigners and some of them are making millions of dollars a year here, but we just don't see them because they're too busy making money. Now that's a curse and a blessing, a blessing in that if they can do it so can I
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it's a curse because well if they're making that kind of money what do they do with their time and so I came to the realization that if I want to become wealthy and live the life that I want I have to expand my mind outside of China and I have to do things that are beyond this country as much as I do inside this country so a few months ago I was talking with Meyer. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Meyer is uh, my mentor, and Mike also knows yeah, he's him. Great. he's great. He just
1: had a baby girl.
0: Yeah, a few days ago. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so he's an Israeli entrepreneur doing Amazon stuff in China uh, for almost 10 years as well. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he had kind of helped me to realize that I was the connector. You know, this was like a year ago when I, when I first met him. He was like, you're a connector. You should make money connecting with people. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so we were talking a few months ago, and I decided to go to Thailand for a holiday. I was really, really just over China at that point. I really just needed a break. And I, right before I went to Thailand, Tim and I were talking about a course. And we ended up calling it WeChat Millionaire. Nice. And the goal was to teach people how to use WeChat to build a brand and then become a millionaire from that brand. And so I decided to devote my month in Thailand all day, every day, to just building this video course. And I did it and I came back and I launched it and, you know, I didn't put any money into advertising. I mm-hmm. didn't really do anything, but it was the time in Thailand that, that re made me realize that I was, th- I was thinking wrong. I should be thinking in dollars because I was doing a lot of research for cross border e-commerce and things like that in order to do the course, because that's what most people would be doing when they enter China is build a brand and bring in a, a product from overseas. And I, I saw there's multiple billions ten you know hundreds of billions of dollars a year potential in cross-border between China and anywhere else in the world I said well then this is what I should do I should be a part of this because this is where the money is uh, you know on top of helping the the startups to find investment and so I got to a point where I, I had a friend come to me and said hey Uh, I've got a a construction company based in Dubai. They're looking for some auditorium chairs to send to a university they're building in Pakistan. Talk to them. I said, okay, fine. Well, there was this British guy and this Australian guy that I met a few years ago uh, in Shenzhen. They have a trading company. And I went to them because they're the only trading company that I know. Turns out they actually know factories and they they deal with furniture. And they also deal with chicken feet. (laughs) Chicken feet. (laughs) I remember. Not chicken feed. Chicken feet. Yep. Chinese people are crazy about chicken feet. Especially in Chinese New Year, I've seen a lot. So I, I go to meet these guys and I go, hey, you know, let's talk about these this you know buyer. He wants to buy these chairs, blah blah. And they're like, oh, by the way, we also do chicken feet, and they told me about it. I didn't know anything about it. But you know, they, they told me the kind of money that you could make doing it. And I said, Okay, fine, you know, let me see. And I went through my whole network, I started looking for people and, and all that, and I found a guy and we spent like two months working on a deal. It's gonna close in about a week or so because of the holiday, you know, the factory just opened, but everybody's here is on holiday. So you can't really do anything on this side to sign contracts and, and all that. But, um, you know, I, I realized that you can easily make millions of dollars, or if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from one buyer for chicken feed as a commission, passive commission. And when that possibility opened up to me, I realized that being in Thailand was the best thing I could have done for myself. Making that course and doing that research was the best thing I could have done for myself because it the the client from Pakistan only came to me after I got back to China, after I was in Thailand building the course and doing the research. So I was already of this mindset that that trade was the best way to make money with quite little effort. And it's not like okay, we're going to make $100 here or there. It's like, no, you can make $10,000, 20000 $100,000 a month off of these kinds of repetitive buys. And if you sign a one-year contract with a $100,000 commission, you make $1.2 million in that year. Like, life-changing money. Awesome. That most people, you know, working their 9-to-5 jobs go, I'm going to be happy if I can make $15,000, $20,000 RMB a month. And it, it was that mi- mindset change. And so if it weren't for mayor, if it weren't for Thailand, if it weren't for all these years struggling in China, that I would have come to this realization and be in this position where I could very quickly in the next few months start to see massive quantities of money coming in that before I didn't think were possible. And so that's why I say these years were a waste. There's actually a longer story. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm Jewish and everyone kind of jokes that Jews are, you know, the merchants of the world. And, um, you know, when I came to China at the age of 21, 22, I hated money, hated finance. I majored in psychology. I didn't like anything related to manufacturing or trade. or I I didn't want to think about any of that stuff. It's it's too difficult, whatever. And 10 years later, it's what I'm doing. So if I had been more open-minded when I came to China, I probably would have already made those millions many, many years ago. Cool. And that's what I mean by I've wasted my time in
1: China. It's still a good uh, catchy headline for listeners today. Think that uh, people need that. I mean, it's like uh, I always try to think of is like MBA or like you know you're like this is like really learning, right? I I don't want to disrespect people that you know do go through the proper education, but I think a lot of times the best education is on on the ground.
0: Absolutely. It. I mean, I I met people that studied Chinese in university before they came to China for years. And they came here and I had been here for like a few months and my Mandarin was already better than theirs. I mm. didn't learn a single word before I came. Interesting. So, you know, everybody learns differently, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Some people need others to teach them and others teach themselves.
1: But I mean, back to that mindset or the, I think in China, a lot of us foreigners, we get stuck on saving money rather than making money. I, yeah, that's a
0: mindset as well. Why yeah. my, the mindset of the wealthy is know how to spend in order to make more. Mm.
1: Well, sometimes... In, you invest get- in yourself. That's that's a good one. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of us are always trying to get our rent lower or get the price of the f- product cheaper from the factory, you know? like Yeah. A lot of times we get Maximize stuck, profit. stuck on that where it's really probably spend more time increasing sales rather than trying to... Of course, it's important to reduce your costs, but maybe it's You the, can outsource those things.
0: And That's the that's difference between a small business person's mindset and a big business person's mindset where... A person who has the money or they have the wealth would go, I'm going to outsource all of this to people that I can hire. Let this person deal with negotiating with the factory to get my price lower. Have this person deal with making the marketing. And I'm going to make sure that they just, you know, have what they need to do the job. Whereas a small business person, which is what I've always been, I've I've only ever had two employees at my max. And now I don't have any because I like to work alone. That's Mm just me. But I used to... Try to get everything done, and then I'd be exhausted. And I ended up, you know, doing the idea exchange was me and Lisa full time, and we ended up destroying our bodies because of it. I was 27, 28, and I was in miserable shape. Mm-hmm. It's taken me several years to rebound health wise, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm lucky that I was able to. But a lot of people they end up using their health in order to grow their business, and they should be thinking about how they can grow their business so that they can protect their health first. It's true. I just
1: went through digital detox, highly recommended.
0: Yeah, I, you told me about it. I feel I, amazed. <laughs> I don't think I could do a day without the internet. (laughs) I I would love to, but it's difficult with what I do.
1: Yeah, it was hard for me too, I think, but just powered phones off in the other room and walked out without a phone. I have two phones, so.
0: I remember when I used to travel in Asia many years ago, it was easy because you just didn't buy a SIM card. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But now, with my phone, I can roam anywhere in the world with my China SIM. Now, granted, who would want to travel with Chinese internet? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it sucks. Being in, in Thailand or Vietnam, and you've got the Chinese internet on your phone, it's the only thing you can use to access internet. You can't even get Facebook or Gmail mm-hmm, or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You still have
1: to get a, a VPN. Craziness. So, yeah, I mean, we've, I think uh, most of us have, I mean, I'm not sure if for you, but for me, I've, I've had the China burnout for times. like I totally. lived in the Philippines for like a year in 2010. Or I was going between China and Philippines a lot in that time, but I think it's a natural phase. Do you think for for foreigners in China? I think yeah. it's very easy to become bitter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when now granted, Shenzhen has fantastic weather most of the year round, but like right now where it's disgusting, it's it's easy to just go and not want to get out of bed.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, you do a good job with your WeChat group, but and there's a uh, but there's a lot of like, you know, negative, negative, well, I don't wanna say expats, but everyone a word negative people, but. Uh, yeah, you just gotta cut the negativity yeah,
0: out. Even if you yourself are negative, if you can recognize that you have that, then if you just cut out the people from your life that are negative, then it's a lot easier to become positive again, mm-hmm. if that's what you want.
1: Yeah, so hopefully people can, you know, I think, think of it as an opportunity and not, not be so negative, like the difficult challenges you're facing uh, it can be used as opportunities so absolutely like I said, you know, I was uh, in August
0: I came back from the States I was there for two months for my 30th birthday and, and all yeah, that and yeah. then I came back and then a month later I went to, to Thailand because I had had such a good time in the States that I came back to China I was like, oh, f- China and so mm-hmm, I was like mm-hmm. oh, f- this like I saw the price to Bangkok was like I don't know a few hundred RMB. I was like, I'm getting on this plane and I'm staying for a month <laughs> because Thailand It's awesome. And it's awesome. And that's really where my revelation happened. Like you had your digital detox yeah. on the beach and you had a revelation about your life in some way. Yeah, a little bit. I had a revelation that's changed my life. And, and I think most people are so busy chasing the money, they're so busy working that they forget about themselves. They forget about who they are and what they want and what's important to them. And um, So yeah, you can kind of call what I'm going through burnout um, or you could call it a desire to expand myself. You know, True. it depends if you want to look at it in a negative way or in a positive way. For me, my goal in 2017, right now I'm teaching myself Japanese. Yep, uh, because, you know, Japanese uses, uh, they call it kanji. It's from Hanzi, from Mandarin. So I already know the hardest part of Japanese. I just have to learn how to re-pronounce them in the Japanese way. Mm. So I'm teaching myself uh, hiragana and katakana because it's, it's very, very similar. Mm. Uh, it's very simple, Sorry. So my goal is I want to spend three months in Japan this year because I originally was supposed to go live in Japan, not China. But I've never been and it's so close yep. and I already know a part of the language. So there's like no reason not to. So my, cool. my goal from now on is to think less about China and think more about living in different countries and experiencing new things. So like I want to live in Japan for a few months and then maybe go to Israel for a few months and uh, for this year alone. Okay. Um, so I, I stress that, you know, having a full-time job is the worst thing you can do for yourself. Um, if you have the ability to control your money or at least have a way to make some money every month without working too hard to make it, if you can live in different countries and kind of experience things for yourself, if that's what you want, then absolutely you should do that because
1: you only have one life. Mm -hmm. I definitely think travel is really the best way to open your mind, right? I mean, I was in New York city like five almost five years and uh it was really depressing for me and once i started i went to san diego for a little while and then i ended up in china I didn't think i would still be here to be honest but you just gotta find where life takes you and uh i think by seeing a different culture realizing that not everybody is the same and uh different perspectives is, is amazing
0: something i uh, thought about before we started today and I, I didn't want to say it to you earlier because I oh. wanted it to be like special, I guess, for oh, now. Awesome. It was kind of my impression of Chinese people, uh, which is one of the reasons why I have the mindset that I have now. And I guess this is especially important for people that are, might want to come to China. Um, and that is what I see. And It's really hard for me to look down on Chinese people. It's hard for me to hate on them because I see at least our generation is stuck between the past and the future. They desperately want to have a happier lifestyle. They want to fight for freedom of happiness because society is so controlling on young is so controlling of young kids and, and doesn't enforce creativity or doesn't promote imagination in kids. Um, so I see them growing up and watching Western you know media and learning about the way we live and being friends with us here and and desperately wanting to understand us and be more like us. So there's that positive aspect. But they're also very close-minded because they're stuck in the past and society's telling them that change is bad. Um, And so it's hard because, you know, you try to explain to them that things can be different, that they can change, they can have a better life, and they don't see it. It's just, it's as if, you know, they're staring at a wall, and on the outside of that wall is something better. It's not even a glass house. They can't even see it. They can't imagine it. And so they're stuck. And Mm -hmm. that's the hardest thing for me about China is that, I, doing the idea exchange, wanted to help Chinese people to reach a better life for themselves and found myself incapable of doing so. And that's one of the reasons why I became disenfranchised and stopped. Mm. as I felt like I wasn't actually helping anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, well, that could be seen for only Chinese. I mean, a lot of people in the world are like this. I mean, I think people think they want help, but they don't want to do the work or they don't want to change themselves. I think it's different.
0: Uh, I mean, yes, I understand you could say that about Americans as Mm -hmm, well, mm -hmm. Um, but it's not that they don't want to do the work, it's that they don't see it being possible, so they don't try. Mm -hmm. And I think face is what stops them. Faces, faces that old aspect of society that's holding them back.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's mentioned a lot in these Chinese business books, but it's, it's totally true, right? Like, uh, for me, like I'd have staff, my high was eight, eight staff full time and, uh, I had to be careful not to point out a mistake that they made in front of others because they're loose face. I couldn't do that.
0: <laughs> I'd just be like, you did it wrong. And this is why, and this is how you can improve yourself. <laughs> yeah. So- I, I wouldn't make it. The, the thing is I'm, I've done HR. I majored in psychology. Yeah, so I, I've cool. been an HR manager before in the States and in China. Um, and again with my own employees. And I found that the, the best way to manage anybody, no matter where they're from is to try to leave emotion out of any kind of Uh, critique Mm -hmm. or any kind of communication with them related to that and just focus on behavior um where yeah they might go well you're correcting my behavior you're correcting my personality or you're saying that i'm wrong you know they take it personally they they absolutely do chinese people um but by trying to remove emotion you at least make it easier or if you do it in mandarin it'll be easier because you can try to insert some of their culture into it even Mm -hmm. if you're going against their
1: culture by doing it in the first place yeah, I guess I agree. I try to remove. Re, I've been thinking. I've got a lot better of my own, own emotions in business and personal. But I would usually try to take them into another room, maybe, and, mm. and talk to them. I think. But yeah, I mean, this whole face thing is true. Like, and then they really don't want to go against their family. Whereas I think maybe I'll speak for Americans, but I think more Western mindset is independent. Like, of course, maybe my parents aren't happy with what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. Or they're going to hopefully support me. Whereas mm. I think Chinese are much more restricted, I think, or at least in their mind. To so, quote Cartman from South Park, I do what I want. <laughs> we were even talking about that at lunch with some stuff I'm going through, but uh, yeah, it's cool, man. But, uh, well, this has been a really amazing amazing talk. So for listeners, yeah, like you said, a lot of listeners aren't, aren't yet in China or Asia. They're maybe in their nine to fives or they're in their home countries trying to figure out how to get here. We're talking about opportunities. You're you're doing trade now? Is that what you think would be something for them? Or what, what do you think is... So um, I was telling you earlier today
0: with my course. So I, I put mm-hmm. the course on Udemy. Yeah, yeah we, we're going to link that. And... I put it up for $200, but Udemy decided to put it for $15
1: mm-hmm, we without telling me. They trick. Yeah, they trick. All and
0: I had one guy reach out to me. He's an American in Chengdu, married to a Chinese woman, speaks Mandarin as well. And he said, man, I've been doing trade as an, I'm an, an employee of a Chinese company. I'm doing trade. I have this massive network. And like I saw your course, I think it's great. And like, I just wanted to talk to you. And we started talking, we, we now talk almost every day. This was like wow. a few weeks ago, he started messaging me. Very cool. And I was talking about chicken feed and other opportunities because <laughs> he, he's got suppliers and buyers all over the world. And I have been building my own network for that as well. So we're trying to do business together now in some way Very to cool. find, find opportunities. Great. Um, and that's really what, one, I, I'm really interested in is that. Um, but also the course was never really about Helping people to do their own brand. I mean, it was, but what I want is people who are interested in trade to to reach out to me or anybody. Because, you know, if you have a product that you want to sell in China, I might have a distributor that would buy a lot from you. Most of the people I talk to, they buy containers at a time. They're not going to buy a hundred of your product and try it out and see what goes on. Cool. Um, so, you know, if you have a desire to have your own product. Or if you have a license, an agreement with a company to represent them in China as a sole distributor or something like that, we can hopefully help you to sell your products or
1: awesome. their products. So really cool. So we'll link up the course or, uh, but of course, how can people reach out to you or your businesses or,
0: well, I have an email Okay, go and ahead. I'm happy to have yeah, people email me and like to read it off. Go ahead. Yeah. We'll, we'll type it out to S W E I S B R O T at gmail.com. Okay. And yeah, I'm in China most of the time. I check my email, uh, but I'm I'm trying to do my best to kind of be a little bit more global these Very days. Cool. Global well, yeah. from Asia, right?
1: Yeah, there we go. Okay. Trying to, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing and uh, we had some great conversations today and yeah. Hope, to I'm here. sure listeners will get a lot out of it and and uh, best of luck for you in 2017. Let's let's make some money. Yeah. Cheers. Okay, and now we have another guest. This has been lots of guests today. Maggie. Maggie Michelini, what's up? Huh? you gonna say something? (laughs) Say hello to the guest. Meow. Meow? There's- Meow. Meow? There you go. Yeah, she's on a podcast. One year old baby on a podcast. All right, guys. So we have a lot of cool guests lined up. Claire has been helping introduce some new guests to me. And it's been getting fun. Maggie is a little bit young, but maybe she can be a guest soon. (laughs) And also next week, we're going to be talking about a new island forming on the outskirts of Tahiti and a trip we might take there in may so it's gonna be a really fun one we already got it ready and we're editing now so we will see you guys next week uh, and claire how do people get the show notes
2: yeah. Yeah. so it's uh www.globalfromasia.com episode 162 all
1: right and always subscribe to our newsletter too people actually are replying to them They're liking the newsletter, so check that out at GlobalFromAsia.com slash subscribe. And I'm going to stop blabbing this week, and just let's get ready to rock. Finally, 2017 is good for the U.S. and the rest of the world as well as for China, so let's let's get going.
0: To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.GlobalFromAsia.com. That's www.GlobalFromAsia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.